What's up guys, Jack here. I'm joined by my buddy Brett Baldwin today. He joined me and we left before the sun even came up this morning and traveled to Norman and watched our Kansas Jayhawks lose a tough one there to the Sooners, whom in the scheme of things, Oklahoma's a really good team. I do not think KU should have lost that game though. Uh, after losing two straight, it's tough to go into Norman and drop a third in a row. Uh, we're not used to seeing this. KU was down seven in the first half. Uh, just down one at halftime, then down seven again in the second half, and then find ourselves with a one-point lead with around five minutes to go and lose it. And, Brett, usually we're used to seeing teams close out games, uh, our Jayhawks. We went into Oklahoma State. We were down by 16, took a three-point lead with a minute and a half, lost that one. We're just – this KU team is not – a bread and butter Jayhawk team like we're used to seeing. Just something's off. What is it? Well, with everyone, if they don't have the grit or the determination or the toughness, or maybe it comes down to a pride thing of who they're playing for. Like yeah. when you see Kansas teams, typically once we get that lead in the final minutes, it's crunch time. We just execute perfectly. This year, I'm just not seeing the execution. I mean, the offensive end is very sloppy. Our turn- turnovers are very high. It's just. It's a team we really have never seen before in our previous years. Maybe it's because as Kansas fans, we've been spoiled over the past few years, but yeah. dropping three straight, that's only the third time under Bill Self to happen. I mean, it's unheard of dropping three straight. I mean, Yeah, it's tough, and I don't know if we're going to look back on this conversation and think, oh, my gosh. Like, okay, Before this, KU's not going to win the Big 12. Sorry, we're not going to win the Big 12. Baylor, Texas, maybe they're gonna. KU's not gonna win the Big Twelve, but so we're kind of looking forward to. And Brett and I were talking earlier. Is an NCAA tournament berth a worry for the Jayhawks? Now we may look back on that statement here in a month and think, why were we ever worried about that? We found our way to an eight seed, a seven seed. Do you think we have something to worry about in finding ourselves in the tournament in March? Well, I don't see us as a seven or eight seed. I bet at most, worse, I see us maybe as a five seed. I bet we find ourselves in the four to five seed line because self's going to get these boys in whipped into shape. I mean, we've got till Thursday against we place. So we've got like five days off before we touch the court again. He's going to get everything worked out. I mean, you don't have a Hall of Fame coach for nothing. He's going to figure the thing out, get the problem fixed. We might drop another game or two, but in these tight game situations, I think you're going to see a turnaround, and we're going to find a way to win. I mean, but the NCAA tournament. I'm not too worried about it. Like, we're struggling right now, but maybe this will be the year finally. Look how many years KU just plays excellent in the season, but then we get to that one game in the tournament and everything just falls apart. Maybe this will be the year that we're hitting our rough patch right now, but maybe come March, the piece will just come together and maybe we can have a nice tournament run. Yeah, as my dad always says, and he told me the other day, he said, everybody forgets about all this, which isn't completely true, but I see what he's saying. Come March. In March is whenever it truly, really matters. And, of course, KU won 14 straight Big 12 titles. And I'm glad that – I'm not glad, but the streak was snapped. I mean, can you imagine, Brett, if we were battling this season for – would that be 17 straight? That would be 17 straight. And we would probably feel a lot more depressed if we were battling for 17 straight. But this team uh, – yeah, you're right, though. In crunch time, it's weird. They play like they're – I don't know, like a – junior high team out there with the basketball they play nervous nobody wants the ball nobody on our team I trust with handles I mean 
Marcus tries to go like behind the back between the legs. He loses handles. He turned it over a couple times. We don't have that one person like Graham, Mason, Wiggins, whatever. I mean, you just think back. Uh, who can just control the ball on a possession, make something happen every single time. And I don't want to be too hard on these guys, but that's just what it looks like. And that seems like the position that we are in. Yeah, Brett's right. It's just, it does not look, we look so uncomfortable. After we get the lead, it seems like we enjoy kind of playing down 15. Because then we start to play loose. Then once we get the lead, we think, okay, let's sit on this thing. Turn over, turn over. The other team goes on a 7-0 run and calls timeout. We've seen a couple games in a row now. And it's just a matter of just closing out these games. Brett and I were looking at the Big 12 schedule for Kansas to close out the season. And let's see here. Let's walk them through it. We go TCU. We don't have to name the day or anything. We go TCU. You have it pulled up there? Go ahead and read them off if you got it, Brett. So... Kansas coming back, we're going to get a couple of days off, but then we host TCU, and then that weekend will be the Big 12 SEC Challenge, and Kansas is up for a very tough challenge. That's a big one. Having to go on the road. In my opinion, come rankings next week, it wouldn't shock me if Tennessee is a top five team in the rankings, which we're at definitely getting a top ten test, though, and that's going to say a lot about this Kansas team come March. Right, and I look at that game as more of an opportunity because we're going to go into that game not expected to win. So if we lose, people just think, ah, okay, we thought that was going to happen. But if we win, they think, oh, is this Kansas team turning things around? So I look at it as an opportunity. But go on with the schedule here, Big 12. So then after that Tennessee game, we're going to come back home and we're going to host K-State after, you know, the bad blood that happened this year. We get the rematch in Lawrence again this year. Then after that, KU's up for another tough test, going on the road to a top 15 West Virginia team in Morgantown. Under Bill Self, we have struggled to win there in that place, and it won't be an easy match. And then Kansas, after that, gets the rematch hosting Oklahoma State in Lawrence. They're one of the few teams that have beaten Self in Lawrence. And then after that, Kansas will host Iowa State in a makeup game. But then after that, do the schedule change. Two days later, Kansas will turn around and then go to Ames to play them. So maybe some bad blood will happen between those two. Maybe not. Kansas might just roll them over both times. And then after that, Kansas goes on the road to K-State. And then to wrap up the season, though, as of right now, Kansas' last three opponents are all top 15 teams. We get to host Texas Tech in Lawrence. Then we go on the road to Austin, Texas, which will be a very tough challenge. And then senior night and the final conference game of the year is going to be a very tough challenge when the Baylor Bears come in. And in my opinion, they are arguably, are arguably the best team in the country. And if Kansas wants to defend the home court on senior night, they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, they do. I mean, that that final stretch is just wild. And uh, is there one game in between the West Virginia game and then that final stretch of three? It goes West Virginia, and then who did you say? We host Oklahoma State, and then we get Iowa State home and away, and then we go to Manhattan. That's right. Okay, yeah. Okay, so the final three, that stretch is going to be huge for the Jayhawks, and it would just be sweet if we could just win – Two of those last three games, in my opinion, would be huge. Maybe beat Tech at home and then either get Texas or Baylor. I would be happy if we win one of those final two games. Uh, I'd love to win them both. And I know that Coach Self will go into each one as well as the players, I would hope, expecting to win uh, just because, as you like to say, Brett, because of the name across their chest. Uh, We have... KU has to make a statement here. We can't lay down. We can't look at the other Blue Bloods, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke, and think, oh, okay, it's fine. They're doing that, so it's fine if we let some slide. 
no, no, no. We're trying to prove that we're better than them and that we're Kansas for a reason. So we need to get something together here, straighten things up and play big boy basketball and win some of these big games here. I'm tired of feeling like the lesser opponent. And I know that they have to as well. So we have to come in these games as the primary team and just expect to win them. Because as of now, you said it earlier, we play down to our opponents. We do play down. And I feel like why this is big. I think this is even bigger to the fan base too right now. Because with Kentucky being down and Kansas being a lot better, this is our chance to close. It's already under, I think, about a 15-game gap Kentucky has us in all-time wins. I mean, that gap's closing down. If Kansas can get together, we could close that to, I believe they predicted, we could probably get that to a single-digit lead on Kentucky. And maybe in the next two or three years, we could overtake them. And Kansas basketball becomes the winningest program all-time in college basketball. I mean... It's not only about here and now, but, I mean, there's a lot more on the line looking in the future. I mean, you got to take opportunities when you have them. This is your opportunity to make up some lost ground on Kentucky. Yeah, exactly, and losing three straight Big 12 games isn't anywhere close to where you want to start to make that achievement happen. Uh, but, yeah, we kind of vented about KU a lot um, here. So let's uh, talk a little bit more about the rest of the Big 12. Who beats Baylor? Can somebody beat Baylor? I mean, yes, they can. But is Baylor just kind of like the Jayhawk team from last season? Are they not going to take no for an answer? Does Baylor let one or two slide? If any team has the best chance of beating Baylor, in my opinion, it will be Texas. Because Texas just has the guard play that can consistently knock down the three ball to hang with Baylor. Now, if you had to ask me another team, Texas Tech did a very good job of hanging with Baylor. And I think Chris Beard is a very good coach, and he'll figure out things to where maybe Texas Tech go on the road and sneak one out in Waco. In West Virginia, they still have to play Baylor twice. I mean, West Virginia's not as great as what they've been lately. They, they can knock someone off, though. They're a team. They're, they're like Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State proved they can beat anyone on a given night. And Oklahoma State actually did a very good job uh, for almost... They did a very good job for about... 30 minutes of basketball and hanging with Baylor without their best player, Cade Cunningham. I mean, let's say they have Cade Cunningham. Does Oklahoma State have enough gas in the tank to continue to hang with Baylor? Maybe not win, but at least prove to Baylor, hey, we're middle of the conference. We can hang with you guys, though. Yeah, no, that's that's true, and that's why I think. I think the Big 12, I don't know if you agree, I think they're the best conference in basketball this season. I think they're the toughest league. Uh, it's so it's tough. I mean, even like the bottom tier teams, even though they aren't the best, K State, Iowa State, TCU. I'd throw TCU down there after their nine and two start. They've just the Horn Frogs have just gone downhill. Jamie Dixon squad. But my to the question: Do you think? Of course, the Big Twelve. We know anything can happen. We know what teams are scary. We know that. Baylor's scary. We know that Texas is scary. Texas Tech. Toss West Virginia in there. Why not? But out of the teams, TCU, Iowa State, uh, K-State, is there another one? I'm drawing a blank here. The bottom tier, those three. Which of those three has the most potential to just pull off a huge dark horse upset somehow against one of those top two, three Texas Tech Baylor, Texas. We'll just say Baylor, Texas. Which of those three bottom tier teams has the most potential to knock off one of the top dogs in the Big 12? Easily, I'd say TCU. Again, because of TCU's guard play and they are more experienced. Iowa State right now, they're just struggling. They're 0-5 in conference play. I mean, I'm not seeing anything out of Iowa State. They, 
Uh, if any team in the Big 12 is terrible, it is Iowa State. <laughs> now, K-State, though, they, at times they play up to the occasion. Other times you just look at me like, what are they doing? Like, yeah. it's, it's a rough. So if I had to put my money, it would definitely be TCU because TCU has proved with certain teams they can hang, they can make things interesting. I mean, heck, they're the team that got off to a 9-2 and start and then Kansas came in and just literally crashed their party. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely top to bottom. It's just if you're not a fan of a team inside the Big 12, be thankful. <laughs> a lot less stress uh, is being prevented from being inflicted upon your life, your daily life. Just trust me. It is extremely stressful liking a team in the Big 12, especially one that you always have high hopes for, like the Kansas Jayhawks every season. Uh, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, Oklahoma State. So, obviously, they are not eligible to play in the tournament come March. Uh, so, I'm assuming, actually, I know, that's why the committee isn't ranking Oklahoma State because what's the point whenever they're not going to get a seating? But these Cowboys are no joke. They, they took Baylor into the last 10 minutes of that game and then really let it slip. The lead dropped or the deficit dropped to 16 for the Pokes. But they're scary. And like you said, they're missing Cade Cunningham today. Oklahoma State, I don't think they win the Big 12, but do they finish? I'll say top three. They don't finish top three. Top three, first your top, in my opinion, your top three, Kansas is going to find a way up there. It's going to be Baylor, and then it's going to be a toss-up between Texas and Kansas. If not Kansas, I'd say Texas Tech is my next in line to be up there. Oklahoma has the potential, but they're going to find a way to slip up some games that they should win that they're not I agree. going to. I mean, we've seen this happen time and time. Yeah. But Oklahoma State, no. They're going to get beat up by certain teams and just not have the wins to be up there high enough. Yeah, I agree. They they do look really scary, though, and they still have to come to Allen Fieldhouse. Of course, we'll see. doesn't seem like KU plays. Of course, we haven't really played good. But it doesn't seem like we play that much better at home than we do on the road. It, it just doesn't look pretty right now. Uh, but, yeah, the Big 12 is definitely loaded, especially those top five are really, really good. Uh, but a lot of people, Brett, compare the Big 12 to the Big 10. Or they don't compare them, but they say that if there was a conference better than the Big 12, and some people think this a lot, it would be the Big 10. People think the Big 10 is better than the Big 12. Do you, first of all, I didn't get to let, let you respond earlier. Do you think the Big 12 is the best conference in the country? And if so, what makes them better than the Big 10? Well, here's why I say the Big 12 is better than the Big 10. Yes, the Big 10 has more ranked teams right now. But here's why I say the Big 12 is better. From top to bottom, the competition line is even. The yeah. Big 10 is top heavy. The bottom half is just terrible. But also why I say the Big 12 is better, unlike the Big 10, the Big 12 gets a home and home with everybody. Now, I know due to COVID, we don't have the full game day atmospheres, but still though, even under those circumstances, it's tough having to go and play each team at your place and go to their place. The Big 10, I mean, let's say you're Wisconsin. You hosted Ohio State Day and lost, but you may not have to go to Ohio State, depending on the schedule, how things worked out. Like, you're not in the Big Ten. You don't get to play everybody twice. And in my opinion, you don't get a true champion out of that. The Big Twelve, you get a true champion because you have to prove you can defend the home court against everybody, and you have to prove you can go on the road and win those big games against everybody in the conference. Yeah, that, those are really good points there, and that's something that I don't think a lot of people think about. You said that you don't. There's not really a true champion that comes out of the Big Ten, and I think that is a big thing that separates the Big Twelve from the Big Ten. The Big Twelve, you play 
18 conference games, and oh my goodness, let me tell you, you have to play two, let's just say you play two games a week, because they, they do generally, that's not always the case this season, but they play two games a week, and every single week, it seems like sometimes you're lucky for some teams to go one and one, let alone go two and zero, oh, just because this league is so hard, kind of like we top from top to bottom, just the competition, and it seems like each team has developed. Sure, there are rival rivalries, KU, K State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, sure, but it seems like the Big Twelve is just so dogfighty. If I just created a new word, like it's kind of becoming KU Iowa State over the past five, six, seven seasons. It uh, seems like since Niang was there as a freshman, the KU-Iowa State rivalry sparked. So it seems like there's a lot of, I wouldn't I don't, wouldn't go as far to say hatred amongst teams inside the Big 12, but it seems like every game is like a rivalry and it has that feel and hostile atmosphere across the board. Well, I think why we feel that way is, I mean, when we look at the conference, all the teams, we're literally here, basically the teams just range from Kansas to Oklahoma to Texas. We're basically in a three-state region. True. And Iowa State, they're only two hours from the Kansas State line, so, I mean, they're right there in the mix as well. The only oddball team in the conference is West Virginia, but they're so good, everyone still, like, gets their best shot. Everyone wants to beat them. They want to beat everyone. I mean, you just get that feel. And Yeah, it's definitely – I we, we Brett and I both think Big 12 is the best conference in the league. Uh KU needs to pick it up. I think they will. Uh, we'll see if the Jayhawks can punch a few teams in the mouth and then grind a couple out during that last tough stretch of three games. Brett, any final words? It's kind of a gloomy day. KU lost. Cloudy outside. Wind's cold. It's just not an ideal day. But you have any final words here about the Big 12 or college basketball or the Jayhawks in general? Well, I think Kansas, I disagree. I think Bill Self is going to get the boys into shape. I don't see us going on our three-game losing streak. We may lose back-to-back again, but I think Kansas. I think they're going to maybe get on a roll. We're going to beat TCU, I think so get too. some confidence back. I agree. Self's going to really ingrain it to him. If you guys want a chance at March and you want to make a name for yourselves now, right. you're going to beat Tennessee on the road. I mean, Self knows Tennessee style of play. I mean, Rick Barnes is a former Big 12 coach. He used to coach the University of Texas. So Bill Self knows his coaching style. I mean, we got two former foes going up against each other coaching-wise. So I think it's going to be a really good matchup. Last year you saw we were a lot better than Tennessee. But Tennessee shocked us and gave us a run for our money in the fieldhouse yeah. with a full-capacity crowd. Good game. Yeah, that was a really good game. I remember that they had one guy who could kind of play from the free-throw line in and make some acrobatic shots and finish strong at the rim at times. I remember Doak was having some fits with him but then get a, got a big block at the end. I don't know that guy's name. Don't remember him. I don't know if he's still with them or not. But that's going to be a good one regardless. They're at Tennessee for the Jayhawks. And you're right. I mean, this is uh, – you talk about Bill Self <clears throat> whipping them into shape and getting them to turn around and try and separate them from the stereotype that Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina – this is the perfect year for the Jayhawks to truly prove we are a more elite program than those guys. We don't lay down. We're going to stay up, keep our heads high, get some top 15 wins to close out the season. 
sure, whenever you're all good, all four blue bloods, and you beat one of them maybe or whatever, and uh, you have a better record, sure, that's great. But this is the perfect year when everybody else is laying down and becoming used to the upsets and kind of getting used to losing and lowering your reputation as such an elite program. This is the perfect year for KU to just say no to that, deny that offer, and prove to everybody else that we don't lay down and that we can stay on our feet, we can still get wins, and we don't want to be unranked and maybe be the first four four in in March. Uh, So hopefully, I think it'd be kind of funny if the Blue Buds were on the outside looking in come March, wouldn't you? Well, as of right now, I mean, North Carolina and Kentucky are not even projected to make the tournament right now. And then the latest bracket told you that Duke is one of the last four out. So as of right right now, that means – and they lost again. So in my opinion, the next bracketology – I mean, last four out means you're not making the tournament. And as of right now, Duke's lost day, they're definitely not going to make the tournament. I mean, if Duke, if Duke wants to make the tournament, then North Carolina, if they, I say if they win about six to seven games left to close out the season, they will make the tournament. But if they don't win that number, you're not going to see Duke or Carolina win the tournament unless they go on to win the ACC tournament championship. And same with Kentucky. Right. Kentucky's in a dogfight right now between Alabama. Arkansas, Tennessee, Missouri, I hate to say it, but the SEC is actually decent this year. It's not Kentucky running the table this year in the SEC. I know Kentucky fans have kind of gotten used to them. They were kind of like us. They may not have won the conference, but they were used to basically beating up on everybody when they wanted to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And maybe, you know, if there's somebody else doing a podcast that's a Duke fan, a Kentucky fan, a Tar Heel fan, maybe they're saying the same thing, but of course from a different point of view, maybe they're saying this is the perfect year for us to show everybody else that we're not going to lay down, that we're going to battle and we're going to get in the tournament somehow and maybe not even be one of the first four in. So maybe they're kind of looking at it from their perspective thinking this is a year for us to prove to everybody else that we're not going to back down. It is wild. It is just absolutely wild. College basketball is crazy. It seems like every team is good and just has good basketball players on every every single team has D1 basketball players. That's how I look at it. And on any given night, can mesh together, shoot the ball well, defend, get some momentum, and knock somebody off. It's going to be a wild, wild next month, two months maybe. Uh, it's going to be crazy. I have no idea who's going to win it, no idea who's going to be in it. Uh, it's going to be crazy. I mean, I definitely feel with you that way. But then again, I can, my argument to that of all the teams feeling the same, I think it strongly does have to go to crowd environments of not getting full attendance. Because, I mean, when you look at certain places, you know the reason Coach K canceled his preseason is because without the Cameron Crazies, <laughs> Coach K cannot win at home. He had two preseason losses at Cameron. That's unheard of at Duke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know he canceled on that because he can't have the fans. Without the fans, he can't win. Kansas right now so far – has only has one home loss, which is not terrible at all. I mean, how Even you know you, you know how many teams have multiple losses at home in a season. So I mean, we should not be complaining about home loss. I know we've been spoiled at several undefeated seasons, or we've gotten used to that stigma that under Bill Self we have more conference titles than losses at home under him. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, Bill Self has over 200 wins at home and only 13 losses total. That is not bad at all when you look at what he's done with the university. I mean, that's like an absurd stat. Like, name another coach in the country that has a stat that that unbelievable. I mean, that seems almost hard to believe. Like, you'd think the FBI or someone would open an investigation. Like, how do you guys win? Like, only 5% of teams that come into Lawrence win. And not too many teams are able to make that 5%. But a lot of that goes back to the crowd. I mean, 
We can get in arguments of who has the better environment, but in my opinion, it's Kansas. Kansas easily. Now, a lot of you Duke fans out there are going to argue with me yeah. because we cold more. Well, I get you want to keep your traditional venue, but if that's the problem, why don't you upgrade? Upgrade, allow more seating, or let more students in instead of the adults. Yeah. That's what Kansas does. Yeah. You let 2,000 students in. We let 6,000. We could let some of those other seats go to boosters or just regular general public people, but we let the students in, more of them, because they're the ones... I mean, you know, they're getting tanked up on alcohol before the games. They're ready to, like, just rage for that game, ready for that huge game. I mean, and but the thing is why I say Kansas fans are better, Duke can play a nobody in Cameron. The atmosphere, it's kind of dead. Yep. I mean, you guys get into it, but not into it. Kansas can play D2 Pittsburgh State, and you're going to feel like you are playing a top-five team in the country because the fans still bring that energy to Lawrence. Yeah, and he, he's not just saying that because he – I've been to a KU Emporia State game. It's a blast. You'd think, oh my gosh, I wouldn't want to go watch a win by 40. Just go. Go. I mean, I do want to go to Cameron Indoor. I do want to go to a North Carolina game, whatever some of those other venues that are argued. I want to go. I definitely agree with you. I mean, on my bucket list, I mean, if you're a true college basketball fan, you have to make a trip to Allen Fieldhouse. But as me, just so I can make sure I am not being biased, sure. I still want to take the trip. I want to go to Cameron. Yeah. I want to go to the Dean Smith Center. I want to go to the Breslin Center. I want to go to Assembly Hall. I want to go to Hinkle Fieldhouse. I want to go to uh, Rupp Arena. Yes. That's I mean, it. I knew I, I couldn't think of it. Yeah. There's all kinds of places. I mean, I got to experience Stillwater. Yes, it was, I mean, not Stillwater, Norman. Yes, it was limited capacity. But when they started to pull away, you went limited capacity. They did eventually start to get into it. I think most of the game, they were just nervous, thinking we were going to go on that Kansas run, yeah, come back and steal the game. Exactly, that's exactly about right. The final minute when they hit that three to put them up by like seven with about 40 they seconds like, left, right. they knew the game was over. Yep. Yep. And I also believe, I mean, Stillwater, Ames, those are other great environments. Oh, I mean, they're not top known, but in the Big 12, if you're a top 10 team or even if you're a ranked opponent, those are two very tough venues to go play into. Those fans are passionate. I know... Oklahoma State, I get they're a football school, but when they're good in basketball yeah. or at least competitive, their fans show out. Yeah, that's not an easy place to win. And uh, didn't you say that Coach K refuses to come play in Allen Fieldhouse? Did, did, is, was that right? Yes, between Coach K and Roy Williams. Roy Williams have stated he does not want to do a home-and-home challenge with Kansas or have a Big 12 ACC challenge because Roy Williams does not want to be in the visitor locker room at Kansas. And also, he does not want to be an opponent going to Kansas because Roy Williams, let's give you a little history, though. Roy Williams, he used to coach at Kansas. He knows the mystique of the weapon. He knows it's tough to win in that environment. He knows what the environment's like, and he knows it is going to be very hard to pull away with a win. And Coach K, all respect to him. Many people argue he is the greatest basketball coach of all time, but even Coach K knows his limits. He knows it's almost impossible to pull out a win in Lawrence. With me, I am all for Kansas, go play at North Carolina. Kansas, go play at Cameron. Bring it on. Bring it on. I'm not afraid to play at a place. Coach K and Roy Williams, they are afraid to come to Lawrence. All you Carolina and Duke fans out there, you can argue with me. Why do you guys never come to Kansas then? Why do we always play on neutral site? Yes, I get in several years we have not played you at your place, but why does it always have to be a neutral site? I mean... Duke fans got mad when we knocked them out in the Elite Eight two, uh, three, three years back to go to the Final Four in Omaha. They got mad because I was too close. Omaha's a five-hour drive from Lawrence. And Duke fans were getting mad about that because more Kansas fans show up in Omaha. 
We were five hours from home. And Duke was getting frustrated about that. Can you imagine why they won't come to Lawrence then if they got frustrated having to go to a place only five hours away from us? Why do you think the Champions Classic is never in St. Louis or Kansas City? Why is it always in Madison Square Garden? You've heard several people refer to Madison Square Garden as the second home for Duke because they play so many games there. Well, why is it there then? Why do we play in Louisville? That's basically a second home for Kentucky. It's in their state. Why do we go play in Chicago? That's home field advantage for Michigan State or Kentucky. And the Champions Classic, that's why I have respect for Kansas, because we always get shafted where we have to go. Yeah. Our fans always have to travel the farthest in that. And at times, in years past now, yes, in the beginning we start off rough in the Champions Classic, but now we've came around and we have a winning record in that. Yeah. yeah it's tough it, in the Champions Classic. <laughs> It, you know, you always expect some rust because it's the first game of the season. But why does it always seem like we, as in KU, always look so much worse than the other team? Is it just because we're fans of them? Or does it usually take that long for a KU team? I say that long. Does it usually take a week or two for a KU game to settle in? Or a KU team to settle down? Because it seems like we're always sloppy in the Champions Classic. Not always. Not always. But it seems like it takes KU teams a week or two to settle in and just play non-sloppy ball for the most part. As we are driving, so if you hear something else or other noises, we are driving back home from Norman. It is a long drive. Uh, But Jay Billis said it pretty good, Brett. He said he was talking about KU's record at Allen Fieldhouse and all that stuff, and he said, sure, the atmosphere is great. And it, it makes it really hard to win here. Students, fans, all 16-3 strong. But he said, what also makes it tough is that they make you play Kansas when you come here. And I thought that that was kind of, it, it, he's a genius. I mean, that's, that's funny. Because people don't, they think about it, but they, they don't. They think, oh, that's a great atmosphere. But you have to play the Jayhawks when you go to Allen Fieldhouse. I thought that was a pretty cool way of putting it by Jay Billis. And he even has a quote put up. Uh, they're in the new extended hallway there at Allen Fieldhouse. It has the old uh, rules, the original rules of basketball in it. There's different quotes from different players and stuff about the Fieldhouse, and there's a lot of great ones. I took a picture of Jay Billis's quote, and Brett has it actually. Read off what Jay Billis said about Allen Fieldhouse. So Jay Billis states about Allen Fieldhouse. He says, if you love basketball, if you love and respect the history of the game, every road leads back to Lawrence, Kansas. The magnificent building cannot be captured in words. This building is has a soul. It's a cathedral of college basketball. It's the ultimate bucket list place for every player, every coach, every fan, every official, just everyone. Which, in my opinion, he is very true about that. I mean, even though crowd capacity is limited this year, at the one game we've been to so far, yeah, we you still feel the soul. You just feel like the building's yeah. alive. I mean, yes, in Norman we went... There was an okay atmosphere down there, but you don't feel like the building is alive. Yep. In Kansas, you just look like the building just breathes basketball. Like yeah. you get like even though you're the home fan, I walk in there, you just get chills every time I walk in there. When you sing the alma mater, do the rock chalk chant, you see the pregame view. Yeah. Students are just going nuts before tip off. I mean, you just get chills with all that. And then you look up in the rafters, see all those conference titles, all the great players that have been had their jerseys charged, the five national championships, all the final four appearances. You look at all that, and it just adds more to the chills realizing, yeah, we're the home team, but this place still gives me goosebumps. Right. Just because the soul and just the mere threat that this building opposes to even your opponent. Like, I, I was at this one game, and it was Kansas-Texas on senior night. 
Somehow two Texas fans end up in the middle of the student section and they lipped off something. I don't know what they said, but they lipped off something. <laughs> Next thing you know, all the students start booing at them. Everyone else didn't know what they said, but the rest of the field house turned and just started booing at these two Texas kids. Nobody knows what they said. But after that, those two Texas kids realized their place. You don't speak out at the fog. Like, the fog put them in their place. That was the fog speaking to them. Like, nobody knew why we were booing them. But it was just like the fog calling us to do it. Yeah. Or another great moment of the fog is West Virginia. The great comeback. They have us down by 14 with about 2 minutes and 20 seconds left to go. Even Dick, even uh, Dickie V stated, he goes, if you're Bob Huggins and his boys, you can feel pretty confident right about now. You have Kansas down by 14 at their place with the time running out. Huggins, after KU, of course, tied it up and went to overtime, Huggins was walking onto the court to his squad just shaking his head. You know he knew that game was over. There was no way they were going to win that game in overtime after giving up a 14-point lead with 2.40 to go. And uh, also Oklahoma, back in the triple overtime game at the Fog, whenever they had Heald, uh, Buddy Heald, Cousins, Woodward. Uh, did they have Spangler? Okay, I wasn't sure if they had Spangler or not, but they did. And they had Kadeem Latin, who went to the line. The game's tied. There's two seconds or less on the clock, and he's fouled. Oklahoma's in the double bonus. He has two chances. If he makes one of them, game's probably over, we'll just say. Bricked them both. It, we don't really know how to convey it to you. We're doing the best we can, but go to the fog. What's the saying, Brett? Pay heed all who enter. Beware of the fog and pay heed all who enter. That's right. And something, you made a good point, I think, that separates Allen Fieldhouse from every other atmosphere. Sure, whenever there's a packed stadium of people, it's going to be loud. But that's not really an argument because Allen has the record for the loudest roar at an indoor event. Not basketball, an indoor event. But what separates them is whenever, like you said, whenever the game isn't even going on. Like in other venues, whenever somebody hits a three, sure it gets loud. It's thousands of people screaming for their team. But even whenever the game is not going on in Allen Fieldhouse is what makes it the most special. You feel it. Whenever the game's not being played, I get chills, I get goosebumps, I get butterflies. You just feel it, just like you said. Well, speaking with the record of the loud noise, Kansas originally broke that record in 2012 to claim that against our rival Missouri in the final conference meeting. We broke the record, and we held that for a long time up until 2017. We go to Kentucky, and Kentucky breaks our own record, and they claim the record, as the loudest indoor venue when they played us. We turn around a week later and reclaim our rightful crown back to prove to them Allen Fieldhouse is the better environment than Rupp Arena. And it was a it was a great time, I mean, with Kansas. I mean, the thing is, you got your fans, like, they'll get into it, like, when your team hits a big shot or maybe gets a block or something. But Kansas, you want to spell a key to recipe to get those fans going crazy in Lawrence? Turnovers. You have a turnover, those lead to fast break points or a huge three. When you turn that ball over, nothing gets that Allen Fieldhouse crowd more energized than that. Like they just, every little play that goes their way and everything little thing that goes wrong against you, they feed off that. And once they start getting loud, it's hard to quell that energy. It, It is very hard to quiet them. They get in your head. Like they, we get in opponents' heads like rent free. I mean, it's just. It makes it, you can see it affect the other team, not just our team for momentum and knocking down shots and creating more turnovers, but you just see it in the other team as well. They get tight, 
Uh, they expect bad things to happen, and sometimes even timeouts isn't the answer. That place is just crazy. Oh, yeah, especially, like, when Kansas, like, I've seen multiple games. We're down. We go on a run, make a comeback to either tie it or take the lead. The opposing team calls a timeout. That doesn't stop it. The crowd's just going nuts, and then we got our own, the DJ there, he'll play the hum or something to get the crowd even more fired up. Yeah, that timeout happened. You'd think the crowd, a lot of things, the crowd calms down at the timeout. No, we get that hype music going, and that crowd stays fired up to even when the game gets back on the court, and we just get right back in there. We're in there the whole time. I mean, there was, it was the one game. It was the Kansas-West Virginia when we came back. Bill Self said to his team, he always said to his team, they couldn't hear them. That crowd was so loud. They couldn't hear their own coach. Bill Self trying to speak to the Kansas Jayhawks. All Bill said, so he said, you hear that? We, this is our house in overtime. This is our house. That's all he had to say. That's all, yeah. The players knew what he meant. Yeah. He didn't have to convey a message of the game plan or what to do. The players knew by that energy, this is our house. We know what happens in there. Yeah, there's at that point in time, you don't... If you tell your players something, you run the risk of them th- start thinking about something else and losing momentum after coming back from, from that deficit. And with the crowd, <clears throat> the crowd on your side, you just say, "Go get them, boys! Have fun!" And that's basically what he did, and closed out and won. So, just a couple examples there of how special the fog is there in Lawrence, Kansas. Again, if you haven't been, just go. It's not that expensive. Just go. And uh, my Instagram's Jack underscore Leak fifty eight. And if you ever go, send me a picture, DM me a picture, and tell me how it was, because I can almost guarantee you it's going to be the best atmosphere you've ever experienced. So, Brett. We've talked about kind of why Kansas is the way they are right now and what's ahead for the Jayhawks. Talked about how good the Big 12 is compared it a bit to the Big 10. Uh, talked about Baylor, Texas, who can knock them off if it's not Tech, West Virginia, or Kansas, who can do it. Uh, of course, like I just said, talked about Allen Fieldhouse. Did I miss anything? Just kind of a review here. I think we hit everything on the nail. There's not much more to cover right now in the game. I mean, if top to bottom Big 12, we've covered a lot right now. Yeah, so it, we're kind of on the about halfway through the Big 12 season, maybe a little less. We're one game short of halfway through, but we're getting there. It's all downhill from here, maybe. We'll see. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one, and if you stuck with me till the end, Uh, You can go over and subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is titled Big 12 Hoops as well. Thank you guys for listening, and God bless.